your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Welcome back, folks, to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan following Everton's 0-2 defeat to Leicester City at Goodison Park. Is Everton's fourth time in five games that they have failed to score a goal and the sixth time this season that we have been held scoreless in the Premier League. A frustrating day out for all the Toffees who attended and a frustrating day to watch for all of us worldwide. Before we get into the show, please Leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice if you enjoy the show. If you like this show more than you liked watching Everton today, leave us a rating and review. Uh, follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our Discord server, invite.gg slash ATP. We'll go right off the bat to instant reactions, and I'll let Ryan take the floor first. There really wasn't a Twitter one that I I, I thought was perfectly encapsulated my feelings, James. Um, I just think we've been really lucky and they have some players that can beat us uh, if they're given time and space to shoot. And every match is pretty much a shooting gallery for us, which we'll get into later. And I thought that was the difference. I mean, you can't, you can't keep winning like this. We'll get into it in more detail in terms of the numbers, but no one quite said it like that. I think I was just too exasperated to let someone else's words speak for me today. Fair enough. I went with a uh, Hugh at Oss Toffee Art who said, realistically, we should have scored. But the ease at which Lester played through us was alarming. Not sure why Frank switched back to the 4-3-3 with Gay and Garner hung out to dry. If you concede as many chances as we do, eventually one will go in, and that was the difference. And for the most part, I agree with that. I mean, should we have scored? I think we had a couple really good chances that we probably go by. But I think the end says it best, as you just said, Ryan. If you concede as many chances as we do, and we have conceded a lot and continue to do so today, teams are just going to eventually score. You can only ride your luck for so long. Now, in terms of score predictions on the day, we had none for the second consecutive week. People still being optimistic in the Discord. A lot of people predicted wins. Only one person predicted a loss, but none predicted Sean's the 0-2. It's that optimism train. It's just he's, he's really rallying the troops. He's a conductor. He is. He's conducting very well. But... We will not pat anyone on the back. The consolation prize of the correctly predicting. Certainly not him. Yeah, right. Um, Let's just get into it, Ryan. Let's get into the Leicester lineup. You know, late kickoff, weird kickoff time uh, today. The 1.30 East Coast, 6.30 over in the UK. And, you know, if if we had been having this conversation a few weeks ago, Leicester have been a bit down in the dumps, did not start the season well. Brendan Rodgers on the hot seat, but they seem to have started to turn things around and uh, it's definitely continued their upward swing against us today. I don't know if we made it hard for them, though, James, let's be honest. Uh, but look, uh, they have some on the ball quality. I mean, look at that. mid. I don't think that midfield is particularly good in terms of work tackling. Dear Samare, like borderline runs away from people at times. Uh, Tielemans is not really the hardest worker, and they got a decent effort from them today. But but they they have on the ball quality. There's no question about it. Um, it's it's basically the same lineup as two matches ago versus Wolves. Um, they naturally played an extra defender against City last time out, which makes sense. And look, they've scored a lot of goals, but they really haven't t- created a ton of chances. They're seventh in goals four, but fourteenth in XG, barely ahead of us. Um, third highest goals against and f- fifth worst expected goals against. They give up a lot of goals. And again, they've given up a decent amount of set piece goals. Again, they were worse than the league last year and they've given up six this year and worse is Bournemouth with 10, by the way, it's, it's three worse than anyone else already. Like that's a big number. Um, but they are there. I think everyone knows these players at this point. It's a very similar lineup that's been there and they have some guys that can hurt you, but they also have some gaps that we could theoretically exploit. But I think our, our final third work is not. Not our strong suit. Probably not Frank's bread and butter either. Um, one change to Everton's lineup and one change that wasn't made that I think is is a curious point of debate. Yeah, so as everyone knows, we obviously saw Dwight McNeil come in and Anthony Gordon drop to the bench, which we've much has been made about Gordon's struggles this season. I think this was probably the right choice to give McNeil some starting minutes. I don't know if he secured that starting spot with his performance today, but I think he did okay. And then the other 
inclusion that you're referring to, Ryan, I believe would be Seamus Coleman keeping his spot in the lineup, despite, you know, Nathan Patterson coming on late last week and I think providing a, a, a little bit more, at least going forward, than than Seamus did. Um, but Frank going with the trusted uh, commodity that is Seamus Coleman kind of came back to bite us a little bit, I think, until Patterson obviously eventually came on. But those were, other than that, an unchanged lineup. Tactically, it was a bit different from what we've seen in recent matches, at least recent matches where Everton have actually performed well. I think that mostly starts with the midfield setup that Frank went with today. Uh, Going back real quick to the Coleman-Patterson discussion, Patterson was really poor coming off the bench last week defensively, so maybe that was in the back of his head. I'm not sure. I know Patterson was playing well at the beginning of the year, but I, I just have this idea in the back of my head that Frank doesn't entirely trust him yet. Um, and if he's, and we don't know how healthy he is too, James, really. So to be right, fair right. about it, um, yeah, tactically, I, there's so much to be said about this. There was a lot of discussion about it. I know I've been thinking about it a lot. I feel like we've been fairly fortunate with the results, but I thought the best thing to do would be is just kind of go through listener comments because a lot of our listeners had a lot to say about it. So, um, do you want to mention the curse first before we get to Clevy? Yeah. I mean, I, I gotta point the finger at you a little bit, Ryan, regrettably, uh, two matches ago against palace, you made a mockery of them when you pointed out that their who scored team summary said that they had no significant strengths. And we poked fun at you last week after the full match with Alex and I, because Everton had the same summary and we did the same thing today. No significant strengths for Everton, and I think most watching that match of a blue persuasion would agree that we did not show much in the form of uh, strong is, areas of play. How is that my fault? You know, it's not like I, I mean, seriously. Well, you're I, not I, a curse guy, Ryan. I know you're not a curse guy. I'm not. You don't I'm believe not. Everton are cursed. That's right. But I don't believe that at all. It's um, a little too coincidental that you would point this out and then two consecutive it, games. We stink it up. Look, everyone has strengths, James. Sometimes you play to them. Sometimes you don't. I don't expect Everton to be like me personally with all the strengths I have, and I accept that. <laughs> um, oh, God. Sorry. I just thought that was appropriate. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, it's good. You know, looks, intelligence. All right, get, all right. I'm tall. I get stuff off high shelves. Not as tall as Matt Clevy, though. So let's get into at Matt Clevy. What a segue. Not even, I'm not, that was amazing. You like that, huh? He is Good tall, at though. segues. Another strength of yours. Dude, he's got me by like four or five inches, I think. Um, anyway, a woe be deeper than Onana. Why? Yes. Why? Um, Frank left our midfield exposed with Onana and a too far forward in attack, leaving Ghana plus a slow back line to clean up when we lost the ball. Don't know what it's going to take for Frank to get the right setup, but still work in progress. We looked at the pass map below and, um, yeah, it's just gone into a dead end. I mean, you can't really expect Ghana. Uh, he, despite people's opinions that he doesn't pass forward or gives the ball away or whatever, whatever the latest ridiculous criticism of the guy is, which is completely inaccurate. He's not an expansive passer. That's a fair criticism. He's never going to be that, but he does take care of the ball, but it's hard to take care of the ball when you literally have no option. The pass map is basically him passing back to the fullbacks. That's not his fault. Seriously, everyone's like, oh, he never passes forward. Well, I mean, they keep track of that, by the way. And of course he does. I could show you that he does. But today he didn't much. Do we think that's really because he has a phobia of passing the ball? He played for PSG, for God's sakes. He I mean, sat deep and passed the ball for it all the time. I mean, what are you talking about? I, I think Clevy nails this one. He just, we didn't have the options. The structure wasn't there. And you saw how much better we've played even if Awobi's on the right, which I freaking hate, when Anana's dropped deeper to play in his style and his his strength, talking about strengths, he's also tall, good looking. Uh, but anyway, no, his strengths are really ball retention and making good decisions with it. And um, although he didn't really show that today, it's because he's running back. He's better playing behind the ball. Awobi's better playing up. And I just feel like that's not structurally happening. And I think it's also better if Onan is on the right side doing that, protecting Coleman. I'm curious your take. I know we've talked about this a lot. You kind of agree to a certain extent, but I mean, Iwobi's brought some magic from the right side, but he just looked so much more comfortable later in the match when he's on the left. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to tip my hand. I think we'll get into, I, I agree okay, in part, we'll get into it in the good and bad because I have some controversial, a controversial bad selection that I think people might disagree with, but I think it all stems from, this decision, which Mike at Wombat Combat points out as well, he said, like most of Lampard's tactics, hard to make any sense 
Onana pushed up again, and the goal comes from a bunch of 30-plus defenders who can't recover quick enough. Obviously, in reference to the first goal, but th- this was like Groundhog Day and so- not wa- not Wombat Day, Wombat Combat. Uh, Groundhog Day, because there were so many times when our defense had to scramble backwards on the counter because our midfield, and you referenced the pass map earlier, Ryan, with, in regard to Ghana, you look at it's our defense, and then it's Ghana, and then there's acres and acres of space where the Ideally, the other midfielders would be, and he has no one available. And we saw that time and time again today. I think the other thing is, too, the converse of that is it's one thing to, to kind of peep, keep a Wobi deeper. It's another thing to push an on up higher. I mean, he's got one assist in almost 4,000 league minutes in his career. I know he's young. Two goals. He did have the big match in the French Cup, though. Uh, but he's just not an attacking player. And I think there were so many times he had the ball up higher that I thought, Geez, that's where I want Alex Wobie to have the ball. You know what I mean? Um, if you need more control, Alex can drop back. But I, I think Onana's okay dropping deeper and controlling the game too. And making a late run every now and then. I think I think Ghana enables that to happen. That's good. But I think the other point that Mike makes is a bunch of 30-plus defenders who can't recover quickly enough. That's part of the issue. And, and and Frank is a little bit hamstrung in that regard, and I get that. But I would argue that's even more of a reason to play Onana back. Or, or frankly, if Onana's not playing very well, and I, I think he's been on a run that I think has been less than ideal. I mean, DeCorey is a good football player, and we saw him come off the bench, so we could talk about that a little bit. What did you think about um, Ace, a.k.a. Neil Miaupay at LeBon Everton? <laughs> is that? Miaupay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't like it quite as much as the moped, but he said uh, everything is completely out of sorts. Midfield is stretched to cover the width. Frank seriously needs to put everyone in their best position. Second half sit on a deeper, put a will be more central and have Gray McNeil swap sides. Yeah. I mean, look, we Let's saw talk about start. the swap. The swap yeah. is really big, I think. Yeah, I think so. And you looked at wondering how the team would line up when you saw the change. Okay. Maybe McNeil starts on the right and gray on the left and, they were kind of fluid in certain moments. There were some overloads when both would move to one side, but for the most part, it was McNeil left and gray right. And I don't really think that that worked particularly well, though our wide players being inept at providing very much service for anyone has been a recurring theme this season as well. Well, that's the trick. I mean, number one, what's the game plan? If you're going to play gray on the right and McNeil on the left, I would imagine there's some intent to cross the ball into the box, get people in the numbers and numbers in the box and play some direct balls through there. And I, I don't we didn't see that much of that. I don't nope. think. No, um, if anything, you saw a cross with people cutting inside and some off the wrong foot, which was strange. So, OK, fine. If you switch him and you play him in the half space, which I, I still am convinced that Dwight McNeil is eventually going to be a very good half space player on the right side. He's going to be able to score on his left foot. I, I just think that's a little more modern way to play. I think it will open up the right wing for Patterson. The problem is Coleman is not going to get up. And that, that, that was kind of like, so I, I go back all the time with, with Patrick. I, I don't know if you've seen us go back and forth. Oh, yeah. I respect, I respect his opinion a lot. He's a very smart guy and he knows football very well at Patrick Ridge. His comment was, it doesn't help when neither fullback attacks and the midfield doesn't retain the ball. Shape has been all wrong today. And that's really the fundamental aspect. If you're going to switch them, which I would do, and have Gray on the left cutting inside, who does tend to hang on to the ball a little bit, and McNeil on the right cutting inside, who retains the ball better than Gordon, okay, keep the ball a little, right? Yeah, and I think that right. also speaks to Onana dropping deeper, too, and even Awobi dropping deeper. And in order to, and you could keep the ball a little bit and get some of the fullbacks up and attacking. And, and you know, Halsey Nim at, Nim Allen 316. We all know Halsey. I, I love him on the spaces, by the way. His voice is just unbelievable, right? I like, I love that accent. Um, his comment was the fullbacks aren't even doing that. So, like, it's great to talk theoretically about how that would play out. But if your fullbacks aren't willing to tack into that space, you know, what what can you do? And, and since for some reason Frank won't play Vinagre, not that Nico deserves to be ripped. Nico was great last week. I thought he was very good defensively today, actually. He made some good decisions, even if his numbers weren't outrageous. Um, I don't think he's that inept going forward, maybe as some other people talk about, but he'll pick and choose his chances. The only way you're going to get him forward is to retain the ball. Patterson's a little different, but I just felt like the plan was a little bit lacking, and I think that's why you just didn't see great execution in the final third. In, in my opinion, um, conversely, Lester's game plan was fairly obvious today. Yeah. And uh, almost before kickoff, you can almost predict what they would want to do. They are going to attack left. They're going to go right at Seamus Coleman and Connor Cody, as anyone who has watched Everton for any amount of time this season would smartly do. 
Pinning Awobi back as well because he's stuck on the right side and therefore has to provide that defensive support. He can't then get forward. Onana ended up with more touches uh, in the first half than Alex Awobi. Justin for Leicester had the third most touches. Faze with 80. They fed everything through Dewsbury Hall, who I can't stand. <laughs> I don't know why, but I can't stand him. And James Madison, who ended with eight shots, four key passes, two assists. He hit the post. And again, Dewsbury Hall had five key passes. So they were just running rampant down that right, right-hand side, their left-hand side. And we couldn't do very much to stop them at all. It was disappointing. It was that side. And then our midfield just getting opened up constantly. I mean, Ghana constantly. was having to go over to the right side to save them. I mean, 49% of the time, them attacking down the left side. Yeah, it says it all, really. And uh, that's that's where all of that came from. Um, Dewsbury Hall was living out there. He's a borderline a winger at times, overlapping from Barnes and cutting through the half space at times. And Barnes is a good player, but the matchup was bad. And, and you know, it's one of those things where Seamus is fighting and doing what he can, but, you know, it's compounded too with Cody, who's just not fleet of foot either. And, you know, Tark was covering for those guys constantly, and that opens everything else up too. It was just, it's a bad situation, a bad matchup, but I mean, we've got to do something to address that. Um, and it played out through, through the timeline. I, I think James very clearly, but, um, before we get into that, let's take a quick little break for a word from our sponsors. All right, everyone, we are back. Let's get into the timeline. Ryan admittedly a, a kind of a boring match to watch, but it almost started off on a very exciting note in the sixth minute. Well, kind Ryan's of, I mean, like, the announcers, being like, well, hey, the announcers at this point are said, literally one of them said, I know it's early, but, this game is complete domination. Oh, yeah. In like the third or fourth minute. I know. I mean, same guy who said later that, you know, Rogers has never won at Goodison when I'm pretty sure he won at Goodison because I was freaking there in the cup match where they won with that Baines banger. Um, the cup doesn't the cups don't exist, Ryan. It's only only the league. Ah, uh, that that's clearly that's the we'll tell that to the guy who I almost killed by flipping him over my back when Baines <laughs> made that bang. I, that did happen. Like I felt James, I felt so bad. Like me and my buddy Matt's, who's even taller than me, we're standing in front of this family that I mean, the tallest member of the family had to be like five six. <laughs> so oh no! I was like, do you want me to? Score? They're like, no, no, you're good. most polite people. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, the chance is Alex Iwobi, and it is born out of some nice pressure high up the pitch. It's actually Ghana who's pushing up in this case, and he wins the ball off Samare, gets it to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and Dom is is does really nice here to be patient on the ball, to hold off the defender. Great composure. And then Alex makes, what's that? Great composure. I mean, for him, I, you see some glimpses of him, like, showing yeah. maturity. It's just he hadn't been healthy, but anyway. Yeah, and then he continues to not be healthy but he holds the ball up really well in this moment alex makes the overlapping run he lays it off it's a tough angle but it's just him and the keeper he puts it just wide it's a good shot but you'd hope he put that in the back of the net and start us off on a really strong note alas it goes wide and then lester start to kind of pepper us with shots after that yeah i mean they were doing it beforehand too and look let's talk about their goal because you know, we've seen this too often where they've just kind of blown chances, blown opportunities, and and eventually they get their goal at the end of the first half. And I, I'm thinking at that point, man, we get to the end of the first half. Maybe we can make some changes, come out a little bit stronger. And this goal was a dagger. It really was. And, you know, a lot of what we've done this year is give up a lot of shots. But some of them are from distance. And the problem with this team is they've got some guys that can score from distance. And Tielemans... I mean, this is a fantastic finish, right? I mean, you can't, I mean, I, I, there's no way Pickford can do anything about this. It's an incredible shot. And again, nothing that really anyone could do other than maybe close him down better, other than to have cleared the ball earlier. Yeah, what was yeah. going on with their clearances in the first half? Yeah. We had I, three I, or four that we just couldn't get out that went like straight up in the air, straight back down to Leicester players and just continued to pressure and, and ramp it up. And it came back to bite us in this case. And it's an, it's an unbelievable strike. Pickford think, nowhere near it. I think we're struggling a little bit with identity and I think Cody in particular is known for being very good on the ball. So I'm sure he doesn't feel like he doesn't want to just hoof it away, which I appreciate that to some extent, but the decision-making is definitely questionable. I mean, there are a lot of mistakes here. I mean, it starts out with this, the long ball from their keeper, Mikalenko heads it to Onana in the middle. I, Onana does a really poor job using his body to keep the ball. And the next thing you know, Dewsbury Hall fires a long ball to the left side and you've got Barnes 1v1 versus Coleman which is exactly what they want I mean and and there's no prayer and and 
you know, Daka makes this nice cutback run as center forwards do back to the spot, which, you know, I literally am telling Max to do that all the time. It's a killer because the center forward, the second or the second, the center back looks behind his shoulder and you're cutting back. You're just hosed. He's open. Mikalenko does a great job, in my opinion, here. Yep. He makes the decision to come from his left back spot and attack Daka and deflects the ball. So to me, bravo. I mean, it's a risky move, but Tark isn't stepping up. And you've got some freedom. There's no really on your backside, at least not yet. The ball eventually comes back out because Cody, after he deflects the ball, just taps it. in front. I mean, this is one where as much as I hate to do that, send it, get it out of there, man. What are you thinking? And he taps it. Madison gets it, lays it on back to Tielemans, who, who we know can shoot it. I mean, he scores a couple of these every year from distance. Um, and, and he just bangs us right in the corner. I mean, Pickford had absolutely no prayer on this. What a shot it is. I also feel like we fade a lot in the second at the end of the half in the first half. And I don't know if it's lack of possession or what it is, James, but I'd love to look up some numbers at it. I think they'd be pretty interesting. This is a dagger though, right? Cause you thought this is going to be kind of a typical Everton match where we get to get to the second half, but can you look back at that and say it wasn't deserved? Oh, I mean, I, frankly, it could have been two or three for Lester in the first half. If it weren't for Jordan Pickford doing what he has done for most of the season, standing on his head. Um, and this one, unfortunately, is probably one of, you know, positionally low, one of their lower XG shots. And it's just Tillman's doing what he does with immense quality. He has a lot to do when the ball comes out to him because it's like it's an OK pass for Madison, but he still has to settle it and then one time it basically on the volley. Um, but, yeah, I know we've talked a lot about how poorly we've started second halves, but you're right, Ryan. We do also seem to kind of wane towards the end of first halves and we get to. What was also killer was the stoppage of play due to the firework right before the half and then play resumes and then they score and then it's halftime and it just feels very disjointed and kind of crazy. But at the end of the first half, when the dust settles, it's 50 to seven in shots in favor of Leicester, four to one on target to uh, compared to our one. Our only shot on target was the Tarkowski header, which really wasn't even clean. It was kind of deflected and easily collected. And then Onana had the chance on a header, but he hit it over. So not much in terms of offensive output from Everton. And we were certainly under pressure for large spells. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like we were giving the ball away either. I mean, the possession was relatively even. Uh, we just had no threat I and mean, we had no ideas in the final third. And and I think part of that is that structural conversation, James, the wingers playing wide or just, I, I just felt like we didn't quite have a, a, and we didn't have an identity. We didn't have a distinct plan. And it, it did feel like, even though we retained possession pretty well, some of the giveaways that we had under very little pressure, like pass it, trying to yeah. pass a long ball on the ground to directly to a Leicester player and all of a sudden they're springing onto us in our own half and everyone has to adjust on the fly. Um, not great. Yeah. I felt like a lot of what we created was due to us pressuring them and them screwing up. I, I just, it wasn't <laughs> yes. fluid in the final third at all. There was, there was just no plan. You know, I, I think later in the second half, we'll talk about that. We, we had a little bit more of an identity, a game plan, and we executed better. Even if we never really broke through, at least we had a little more control. Um, but look, second half starts, Ghana, who looked like he was banged up a little bit anyway through the half, is replaced by Garner. I assumed that we would drop Onana deeper and put Garner up higher. Um, we did not do that. Garner, in essence, replaced him playing a six. He's not a six. I think Frank thinks he is one. Um, I don't or think he's got a long way to go because I think that saps some of his aggressiveness, his pressure. Um I, I, I think Frank likes the fact that he's good passer. His right foot's very good, but he doesn't have the positional discipline, I think, to play that position. We see that a little bit later, but I think it's worth noting that for all of Ghana's criticism, he had three tackles, three interceptions in the first half. That finished the game leading the team in both categories. No individual had more than two tackles or two interceptions. Not even combined. I'm talking about individual. I mean, that says it all. I mean, you know, constantly out on the right side covering for Coleman and Cody and that that is what it is and and you know I was hoping we'd see a big change in, in the second half with that sub and I mean first possession Onana's got the ball he's on the edge of the box and I'm just shaking my head thinking like that's where I want OOB to have the ball um that being said our pressure created another big chance kind of off a counter in the 49th and this is probably the biggest chance in the match for us even bigger than the Wobi chance I think yeah I think I'd agree with that for sure I mean this is a really nice interchange of play. It's Gray and Awobi, basically a give and go. 
Um, we'll be cutting inside. He, he starts the run wide, which is really nice. And then he kind of overlaps and cuts inside, gets the ball back, plays it through to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who times his run really well. And then Ward, you know, People are saying, okay, that's point blank. You need to put it in the back of that. And while that's true, Ward has to do a lot. It makes a really good save going to ground here on Dom. And he closes him down. So by the time he receives the ball, he really has no time or space to do anything um, other than maybe try to like shield it and get cleaned out. But yeah, Ward has been standing on his head for, for Lester lately, and he made a really good save there. I think you'd love to see Dom a little more composure, maybe carrying the ball by him. I think that's the one you'd like yeah. to see. And you don't seem to do that often because I, I think the criticism that he's not as good in the dribble, I think he's better in the dribble than people give him credit for. We just haven't seen it much because we saw it in training and some other things. Yeah, he'd like to see him do better. Ward does well. I mean, leaving his legs behind to make that save, I thought was pretty tremendous. It looked like it was going to be slotted. So I, I, yeah, you'd like to see him score. It's a massive chance, but that's how, I mean, as Ronald Koeman would say, that's football. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but it is. It is. It and is. look, yeah. I, I mean, look at it like from the 45th minute to the 68th. That's kind of like the midpoint here when things changed. That was a big chance. But look, I mean, they dominated. I'm sorry, but they just did. Uh, it felt like we had some chances and we still had opportunities. But look, I mean, 87% passing to Leicester, 65.4% possession for the first 23 minutes of the second half. Shots were even and three to zero in corners. I mean, you know, it felt like we maybe had a chance to score, but really they were still controlling the match. And I think at that point, Frank had to do something. And, and I, I don't, I don't mind these subs at all, to be perfectly honest. I, I thought they were good subs. I don't think we really changed our tactical approach well enough, maybe to take advantage of it. I felt like now we started throwing more crosses in. But I don't know. I'm curious what you thought of the subs. Um, I don't know if the results were were the right ones, but I like them. Yeah, I like the subs at face value. What we know post-match, it feels like it was kind of born out of necessity ma- rather than any kind of you know tactical masterminding from Frank. But it's it's Dom and Onana who make way for the moped himself, Neil Mopai and Abdullah Decore, who, I mean, this is the most Decore will have had the opportunity to play since he returned from injury. I think that's uh, a positive. Um, but as you said, Ryan, I don't think we really adjusted our approach too much. And other than to, you know, give it to a Wobie and let him work yeah. his magic, which I think is, should be pretty much our, it seems to be the only thing that works. So I don't know why we don't go to it more often because everything that's good comes through Alex. Well, that's, that's the idea. I mean, that, that, that's just the nature. That's not a tactical change. It's just in our nature of moving Alex to the left and him dropping deeper and controlling the ball more. And, and that's why you saw, from the 69th minute on, and we had a ton of possession, 64.8%. I mean, we were outshot two to four, though. So still, we're getting the ball in the final third, and it's really one guy. It's Alex is the trigger guy. That's about it. And I have to admit, I mean, I, I felt like we are fortunate it was only one nothing to that point, in my opinion, especially after the first half. But I felt like there might be a chance. You know, there might be a chance for us to score, and and there are a couple windows, and we never quite broke through them. <laughs> But then in the 85th minute, this is just the dagger. Yeah, it's it's the dagger from Barnes, and they had a number of chances before this, but this is the one that ended it. And it's a weird play, James. I mean, it's kind of like the ball gets thumped in the air, and this Cody makes this great play playing it into Dukes, and Dukes kind of stubs it on the way, giving it to Gordon. Yep. There was a lot of miscommunication. Garner at one point had Dom streaking in and played it behind him and thinking Dom was going to cut back. So there were chances here that just didn't result in shots. And But anyway, DeCorey gives the ball away. Ball goes out to Barnes immediately. This play by James Garner, I think if there's one play that I would point out that just shows maybe he's not ready to be a, a true six, this is it. I mean, he comes flying out at Barnes. Like, why are you taking this risk to make this tackle? Barnes plays it right by him. Um, it's a terrible decision, frankly, because now it's like three on two after that. Cody's trying to get back. Tark is super deep. Mikalinko has the far post. Patterson's already pushed up at this point. Madison gets all the way to the line, plays it back to Barnes. Now, DeCorey does a great job recovering here and is in his face, but Barnes makes a great play. And I mean, he, this is an awesome shot. I mean, this is a great cutback onto his left, I think, and puts a top bins and no one's saving this thing. Harvey Barnes on his day is a player, man. That's what it is. We haven't seen it as much recently. This is a fantastic finish, and it's it's a little bit against the run of play. It wasn't like they yeah. were generating that many chances, and I felt like we were dominating the ball, and there was a chance for us to get a point out of this sucker. But this was this was all class. I mean, I, I couldn't argue with it at all. And, and this is what we're talking about. Like eventually, the opponents, some of the quality is going to show, and it did. Yeah, it, in 
I agree. Like we had a good amount of possession in the final third, but we looked so incapable of breaking Lester down. Yeah. Like, there's just no ideas when we get in the area, even when we can maintain the pressure and maintain possession in the final third, there's no one, there's no movement. It's all very stale and stagnant and you'll get it. You know, Damari gray will just stand still with the ball at his feet. Uh, you know, obviously worth mentioning that Anthony Gordon, uh, and Nathan Patterson had come on at this point in the 71st, uh, which, you know, didn't really, I mean, didn't I, impact it. But in theory, you'd hope that would show that we're kind of going for it. And we, we were. had the ball more. We had the ball more. I mean, we showed more energy. We showed more pressure. But like, but you quality just wasn't any out. better. Well, the and all it takes is that, good. Yeah. And all it takes is that one chance going the other way for them to bury it. And that's the risky run when you push for the equalizer. You risk it going the other way. And it's a quality finish from Leicester. And I don't I don't think we can have too many complaints about it. But it is it's the, the backbreaker and it's the goal that secures a certain loss for Everton in a game that many hoped would be a nice uh way to wrap up start to wrap things up before the World Cup break. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, it, it's you know, again, uh, we're back at it really soon. So it's going to be interesting. So some of the team selection has to do with that match as well. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. No question about it. There were a couple good performances. I think James, um, I, I thought Jordan Pickford, his distribution was me today. Um, but again, some of those aren't necessarily his choices. I don't know what the post shot expected goals are going to be on the two shots he faced. I imagine they're going to be very ridiculous. I mean, because I don't see anyone saving those. Yeah. 11 for 26 and long balls, like I said, is not great. But look, man, they had 15 shots from open play. I mean, I, I don't you can't keep asking Pickford to come in and save the day every single week. And we've been as critical of him as anyone. But there's no arguments, man. He has been outstanding this year going into the match. I mean, I think his save percentage was almost 85 percent. I think only one player was over 80. I mean, he's number one. And. I think I think Everton are just second in uh, post shot expected goal differential now, and Pickford still may be leading as an individual. I mean, he's not Superman. You can't let you can't ask him to play any better at this point. Can't, and even worse, what terrifies me is what if he starts regressing to the mean? Yeah, exactly. And we've got some numbers later on, just a little bit to kind of highlight just how good he's had to be because of how poor we have been at stopping shots, but six saves for Pickford on the day. And I'd agree that he was very good. The other player that I thought was good was Alex Wobey. He's been named as in this category, probably for most of our games this season, but he had three key passes today, 87% pass accuracy, which was pretty good though. We had some guys who were higher. He was two for two in tackles. He was dispossessed twice, but not really either in dangerous areas. Once was right at the top of the 18 and once was kind of um, in midfield, but it just, as I said a couple minutes ago, it feels like anything good we do in the final third or in the opposition half even starts at the feet of Alex Awobi. And it's kind of criminal that we don't do more to orient play around him and what he brings to the side. I um, thought he had a strong performance among amongst a, a rather drab and, and dull performance from Everton as a team today. He's not been generating as many shot created actions since he's been moved over to the right. He had two big assists against Palace, it was, I think, but that's it. And it just goes to show you, I mean, if he doesn't create something, no one does. Credit to Dominic Calvert-Lewin for creating that big chance as well. But of course, Alex is involved in that one, too. Again, right. I just don't think I, I just to me, I, I think you'd have to be a blind man to watch him and not think that he wasn't way more comfortable on the left. And I think he creates more chances for everyone else. And he allows us to I mean, look at the possession numbers. They're ridiculous. Once he got moved over to the left, maybe that's the better solution to me. Dropping Alex deep to help with possession, dropping Onana deep a little bit too, getting the fullbacks up and flipping gray and O'Neill and getting them in the half space because look, Alex Awobi's a great creator. He's not necessarily the greatest goal scorer. Damari gray and McNeil can both strike a ball with their best foot on the inside. I would like to see that. Um, I think it would solve some of our problems in attacking. I mean, I think it's obvious to go into the window and look for a wide attacking player, but I agree with you. I thought Alex Awobi played a good match. I mean, my God, there was a couple plays, James. At one point where we gave up the corner on the counter and Alex ran back 100 yards and made a tackle. I think Cryptes on Twitter was like, the guy's fitness is unbelievable. He ran back, made another tackle on the right side. It just it's, He's everywhere. It's incredible. I mean, he's really, uh, he's number one on the team sheet for us at this point. Um, easily, easily. Now, look, in terms of bad performances, I mean, you've got a good point of discussion with that I think is interesting. I picked Cody, but I, I think I could have picked Coleman. The problem I have here is Connor Cody was 6'14 for long balls, and we saw a little bit more of his distribution today. 
but not enough to make up the difference. He's too passive. Not a single tackle or interception, according to who who scored. Look, a, a couple a couple weeks ago, I had this conversation with people and saying he's a good organizer and he's a good defender and stuff. And I, I that's great. I hear that. But the bottom line is he's still incredibly passive. So if we're trying to pressure Lester, and I think our best moments came when we did pressure him. Agreed. Pressure them. You, how can you do that with him? He can't and will not step forward. He's not going to close people down. So I, I looked it up. I was like uh, using Y Scout for field players in the entire Premier League. He was third to last in pressures per ninety of anyone with any measurable minutes. That that's that's for field players for everyone in the league over the past calendar year. Looking at Y Scout, he's four hundred fifty seventh of four hundred sixty six center backs in defensive duels. He's not playing for City. It's not like they have the ball the whole time. It, it, I think it hurts us a lot. And I, I just think that you got to decide what how you want to play. And, and maybe people are maybe going to be mad at me about this. But if Ben Godfrey is starting to get healthy and Yerry Mean is starting to get healthy in particular, I mean, I, I think those guys may let you play a little bit different. Either go back to the back three or I, I don't know what you do, but it cannot continue to be a shooting gallery. Um Every week. And that's what it is. Eventually, they're going to score. Now, I'm not trying to panic or anything. I just think I think Mean is just a much better player, frankly, and I hope he gets healthy and I hope he plays. But we'll see. We got a cup match on Tuesday. Um, I like the discussion, though, that topic that I think you're going to present here in your bad performance. Yeah, I was going through the numbers and reflecting on what I watched today. And it was interesting because I don't think like you could single out some guys in. I went with Amadou Onana as my bad, and here's why. I don't think he did poorly necessarily in the role he was asked to play, but as we've hit a number of times already this episode, the way he was used today makes so little sense. He had three aerials today. He had no tackles, no tackles attempted, dispossessed one time. He had a key pass. Okay, let's think back a couple games ago against Crystal Palace when we dominated our best performance of the season, really good comprehensively. And what did he was my good in that match? And what I say, he was six for six in tackles and looked amazing supporting Awobi in Ghana. So I don't know why we deviated from that and all of a sudden have him pushing up, not just very far forward, but also kind of wide in some spaces where McNeil's like inside of him. It just makes so little sense. And so I think he was a victim of the tactical setup today, more so than anything he did as an individual. But I, I just think... When you leave Ghana so isolated, it takes away from his game and it takes away all the cohesion from the midfield. And then we look so disjointed and confused and we can't break anyone down and we're very, very weak defensively. So all of those things combined, um, I, I mostly just chose him as kind of a springboard to raise all those other points rather than to, to pick on Amadou because I do like him. Yeah, well, I, I think he had three, you know, one dispossession, two bad touches, you know, three turnovers in a guy that is known for his ball retention. I think that's his strong suit. You felt like he was forced to carry the ball. He took two shots. What do we need him shooting the ball for? I mean, seriously, I understand arriving late for a header or something. That's fine. He had one header that he probably should have. Well, he, he's not the best at heading a ball. He just happens to be tall and can jump over everyone. One key pass though. I mean, you got to do better than that. If you have that many touches, in the final third. And I felt like he had a lot today. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And that's the debate. Was he not good or is he just kind of in not really put in a position to, to succeed and look, he's going to do whatever it takes and play hard. But I mean, I mean, you mentioned the tackle number. I mean, I mean, that, that's crazy. No tackles. Like we don't even get to talk about his telescopic legs, Ryan, because no, he didn't. And I think that's a strong suit of his, you know, is maybe his positional awareness is not the best defensively, but when he needs to bail someone out and take someone down and win the ball, he's got that, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I just think that it's not the best use of him. I would switch him and Alex and, and this happened, you know, after the Southampton match. And I, I still cannot think of any logical reason why that happened. And I think it's hurt us. And, and I just think we looked a lot better when Wobi came on on the left side. He just gave us a lot more control. And I, I think, even if you put him on the left side, you could swing Onan in deeper on the right side and shade Ghana, whoever else over the left a little bit, play Alex as more as a 10. And I, I think I think you've got something there, too. And I felt like Lester was exploitable on that side, too. And I just kept thinking he was getting the ball and he wasn't going to do anything with it. And he didn't. Uh, but again, is that him? No, I don't think so. I think that's the way he's utilized. And, and that's a debate, right, James? I mean, that's is he really bad or has he just been used? the wrong way because we've seen that like we had Rafael Benitez coming out with con or Awobi coming out with comments about Benitez um this past week about how they wanted to push him out and I thought that was hysterical because and Patty had a couple funny comments about how he's playing Awobi wide right and Townsend inside of him like yeah I know that was insane. yeah he did that against Wolves I was losing Ugh. my mind I was losing my mind um 
But yeah, and I thought that was hysterical. He tried to push Wobie out. The one guy who probably could have played the 10 in his 4-2-3-1 and actually probably got him to safety and, and had him not got fired. I mean, literally he could have made that sort of impact. And so I don't know. I mean, it, it'd be nice to see a response or maybe Frank dials up some different things. I'll be very interested to see what he's going to do tactically in the cup match on Tuesday, uh, knowing that we then play them on the weekend as well, which is very interesting. Um Let's go to the summary. The numbers don't look great, James, I think, uh, as a whole. Um, although you're right, it is kind of ironic that Leicester scored on on two of their more difficult chances. Yeah, I mean, the, the we have a couple XG numbers here. First from uh, Mark R. Stats, who had 1.4 for Everton to 2.23 for Leicester City. And then um, Understat had 1.37 for Everton to 2.27. I think the goal so, was lower. I think that was a little more tight, but you know, yeah. you never know which one it is. But I, I don't know. how do you feel those numbers? I mean, is that how you kind of felt the game? I was? mean, yeah. I mean, I think Lester definitely had better chances, more chances, and uh, outplayed us pretty much front to back. So that feels pretty accurate to me. And we have some pretty good listener comments here, and just kind of summarizing the match as a whole. Yeah, Nebula nineteen seventy nine at Nebula nineteen seventy nine. I don't know why I do that. I should just say at, you know, it's just stupid. Yeah. Um, first okay. worrying Goodison Park performance, EFC press plus tried, but with no end product. What can you do? Caught backpedaling far too often. Yeah. Team is vulnerable to the counter. DCL fitness, a real issue. Mikolinko again, best EFC player. Wobi needs help Two attacking reinforcements. Absolute must. Okay, I'm not so sure that's our first worrying Goodison Park performance. Uh, I, I, the only thing I'll say on that, um, I mean, West Ham wasn't pretty. I mean, United, I thought we were god awful. Um, but okay, maybe it was the worst one. Maybe, maybe it I was. It that. was not good. And I think the other points, you know, caught caught backpedaling far too often. Dominic Calvert Lewin fitness. We'll touch on the injuries in a second, which are worrying. Don't know if Michelangelo was the best player, but I think he was the probably the best of the defenders today. Um, and Wobie needs help. Clearly, that is the case. No um, question. No question. Then there was a, a good little dialogue between uh, Sean Khan, conductor of the Optimism Train at King, King Khan 225, who said, reality check that highlighted who we are. Created a few great chances, but lack of finishing continues to be an issue. You can only defend for your lives so much. Great finish by Yori. Tough result, but still have an opportunity against Bournemouth. Reminder, we are a work in progress. And then Alan Brody at Brody and MD said the optimism train took a hit today. And I think Sean responded that it's going stronger than ever or something like that. So he's still he's still pumping it out, which is much needed in trying times like this. But Ryan, you've got some numbers um, that may be trying to stop the optimism train in its tracks, so to speak. Well, I'm not trying. I hope I'm not. I mean, I, I love Sean dearly. He's a good friend, um, and I appreciate his optimism. But look, we've won the XG battle three of our 14 matches this year. Y Scout got us at 11 expected points. Just we're, that would put us in 18th. Barely ahead of Forest and Bournemouth. Our expected goal differential coming into the match is 18th. Uh, expected goals against is fourth worst, and it might have gotten worse after this pummeling today. Our XG is actually slightly better. And we did create some chances today. So I find it very funny that everyone is jumping on this idea that we need attacking players. And I agree that we do. Uh, maybe that's because we have some defenders that haven't been healthy, but the defense ain't real good either. Now, I thought the defense is a bigger issue today necessarily than the attack. I mean, sometimes you just don't don't finish. Um, but look, it's already been said we give up way more shots than anyone. I mean, we're and we're, look, we're second in post post shot expect a goal versus goal against differential like i said before and our save percentage is really high but but here's the thing like the expected goals against per shot it's not that low i know everyone's saying well we give up a lot of shots most of them are crap well not really uh it's actually the bottom half so it, it's it's actually relatively high but it's that the post shot expected goal per shot is so low but that's luck that's just the opponent i mean do you think we're selectively saying oh he's a good shooter i'm not going to back off on him no, I don't see that at all. I think that's ultimately pure luck. It's just the opponent's not shooting well. And today they shot well in two instances. Madison didn't when he had like eight shots and kept missing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't ride the luck forever. I think we need to make some changes, especially against some of these teams. And plus, we're playing the home against Leicester. Like, I just, yeah, it's just disappointing, James. That's all. Yeah. And we had, in the same vein, we had Matt Cheatham at Matt Cheatham, who tweeted this out. Uh, sixth game, Everton have faced 20 plus shots this season. 
double as many as any other Premier League club. Additional context that he provides that we went 63 successive games not facing 20-plus shots in 2019. So we're just getting absolutely battered with shots, and eventually they will trickle in. Um, We also had a couple other good comments here. We had Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds 86, who said discouraging and deflating. I've been grading on a curve compared to last year. Several games recently have been a step up. Not this one. The Awobi miss early seemed to signal the beginning of the end. Pickford remained fantastic, though. And then we had Mark at Old Man in a Bowtie. Great handle. Little to no playmaking, sloppy passing, garbage finishing ability for the few chances. Very little threat from the Toffee. Should have found a way to tie it at least. And worst of all, boring to watch. Which, I mean, though we did ramp up the pressure in the last few minutes, this one wasn't the most captivating. I mean, I watched the uh, Bournemouth-Leeds match this morning, which you want to talk about excitement. That's the definition of it. This was uh, decidedly not that. I mean, I don't know if it was that boring. It was pretty open at times. It just depends on what you think is boring. I'm for me frustrating when you feel like we're not tactically as sound as we should be and not making good decisions. And I I think it is frustrating to see when we get the ball in the final third and just have nothing. Um, But I'll tell you what, things aren't going to get any better in the final third in particular, if some of these injuries come out to be anything significant and, you know, Patty brought a couple of them up here that are definitely concerning. Yeah, so three of the subs we made today, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Adrissa Ghanagay, and Amadou Onana, all expected to undergo scans on Monday. Um, Dom seems to have hurt his hamstring. You saw him walking off, looked okay, but that's a major problem. Uh, Ghana, if he hurt his quad, it seems to be the working theory right now. Also a huge problem. I don't really think we have a great <clears throat> replacement for him. And then Onana... At long last, after taking so many knocks every game, seems to potentially have hurt his ankle. So all three would be misses, but I really think two more so than maybe a third. Yeah, Onana's kind of struggling a little bit in the role he's being asked to play. I don't think he's excelling in it anyway. And I, I do kind of think that, you know, Corey's a guy that's almost forgotten at this point, which is disappointing. I, I think you can make something of that midfield, but without the six, I mean, that's been our problem. And I don't trust James Garner to play in that defensive role uh, as the six. Um, maybe DeCorey could go back to how he played with Watford. I mean, I'd rather yeah. let Garner loose. I mean, he, he's got a dangerous right foot. I, I That's my opinion, how I'd use him more in the way Onan is being used right now than DeCorey. Although DeCorey's played a 10 before too. I, I just don't know what you do there. I don't know what you do about Dominic Calvert-Lewin here. I mean, he's clearly a productive striker at times i understand people are frustrated with him on breakaways and some other things but he's a matchup problem for for anyone and i know the moped's a decent backup striker i really believe that he's not been given a lot of chances but i think he is um we'd have to play a little bit differently but ultimately he's our big gun i mean he's the one guy if he's on that can be a real difference maker in attack and I just don't know what you do there. I mean, a minimum, if you're if you're not going to score, and we're not scoring anyway, you got to shore up the defense in some capacity too. This is troubling. Yeah, it is, and fortunately, I think I think the saving grace here is perhaps that we have now Bournemouth twice, and then we look at have a month off for the World Cup. So, you know, hopefully these injuries aren't longer term than you know six to eight weeks. We still might be okay ish. So I think that's that's again that's the saving grace here, but. Going into Bournemouth twice in a week without your best striker, if, if Neil Mopai has to play those games, and what do we do with the midfield? I mean, I think I think you're right, Ryan. I think he has to tweak things. I think Jacore obviously comes right in, um, and then maybe Garner in for Onana, kind of in that hybrid supporting role to still try to free up Alex Wobi. I think in some ways it's an opportunity because maybe Frank really just looks to bring in two defensive mids and then just let Wobi do his thing as the 10. I mean, I think he'll probably try Garner if gone is out for any time period at the six. I just disagree. I just don't think he's a natural fit there yet. I think he could be. Again, he's a young player, obviously, you know, and, and he's got a lot of good attributes. I think it'll be very interesting to see what we come up with on Tuesday in the cup match. You got to figure Vinagre is going to finally come back in. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Patterson for to come out and maybe play a lot of minutes. What will be very interesting is if we see one of the center backs come in. 
I mean, I know you don't want to push it with Mina's in- injury, but it depends on what their plan is with him. Is their plan is to just have him sit back and maybe have someone buy him in January, which why would they? He can sign on a boss man in, in the summer. So I don't think that makes any sense. I, I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, very interesting. So I'm, I'm curious what we see. And maybe you might see a tactical wrinkle knowing that you really want to win the league match. Maybe we come out in a 3-4-3. Three, three. I mean, I, I don't know. It'll be... Uh, look, I like our chances. I mean, it's a cup match, and I think we have more depth than than they do. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we need to turn the fortunes around. I'm very happy that we don't have too many matches before the World Cup, like you said, from an injury standpoint. And we don't have that many players playing in it too, so I don't think we're quite right. as we don't have quite as much exposure as some others. Um, but we got to write the ship pretty quickly here, and you can't just keep you know beating the gods, the XG gods, every week, can you? No, and and I think. I think both teams really will probably, even on Tuesday, have one eye on the weekend because both teams obviously struggling. Everton need to, you know, if we if we end up getting the uh, three points on Saturday, then that would get us to seven. When we a few episodes, we talked about how many points we need from our final four games. We obviously got the three against Palace. If we get the one against Fulham and then three against Bournemouth, like I think that's an it's an okay return. <clears throat> going into the break. But if we don't, then we're staring at, again, right down in the thick of the relegation fight. And look, Bournemouth couldn't have been happy about their results today with Leeds with the big comeback and, and conceding in the 84th. Um, they hung with Tottenham, but not really before that. West Ham took care of them the Monday before that. So, I mean, they've lost three in a row here. Um, you know, they're vulnerable for sure. But we don't really, I mean, if we can't be playing like we did today and, and beat anyone, despite creating a couple big chances. Um, I do think, though, there was some optimism to be shown by that second half performance at times where Wobi was on the left and we controlled the ball a bit. I think the Barnes goal was a little bit against the run of play. And while, no, we were not creating the great chances in the final third, I thought at least we controlled the game to an extent. And we haven't seen that in a long time. I'm hoping we see another one of the center backs come in and we see maybe a different pairing. Uh, I'd love to see that. I, I, I think that's a good idea. I think maybe these guys could use a break too. You know, they're not the youngest guys and, and they yeah. may be getting beat up a little bit. Um, and I don't know, fingers crossed, but either way, you know, I, I think we'll be back at it on Tuesday and, and back to the pod. And I'm looking forward to a cup match. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not incredibly optimistic about, Winning silverware this year, of course. Um, I think the the priority is to to get safe, but you know you never know. And and I think you know there, we have every reason to believe that we can bounce back and win these next two matches. Yeah, and I think you have to hope for Maybe. that to end on a positive note before the World Cup. I'm trying here. I like it, Ryan. No, I like the positive note. I think that's a good note to end. Sean on. would be so proud. He would be. Let the optimism train roll down the tracks at full speed. We will continue to uh, bring you guys content. Stay tuned. As Ryan said, we'll be with you following the cup match on Tuesday. Hopefully it's a victory. Um, appreciate everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, just a one last plug, a reminder to leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, follow us on social media. Stay up to date with all of our comings and goings and join our discord server invite.gg slash ATP can find all of the links in the description. Stay tuned for more until we're with you next time up the toffees. 